What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we get into another spooky TV show today. Uh, uh. We had to hit you with the surprise, the double cross. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're doing a TV show, which has been a minute. It's been actually like over a year. Is that right? I don't know. Maybe. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. <laughs> what was the last TV show we covered? Was it Bly Manor? It was Bly Manor, yeah. That was a minute ago. That was a minute ago. That's why, because at first I was like, oh, that was in October, but it wasn't. Hill mm -hmm. House was in October. I can't even remember when Bly Manor was. I think it was like, no, I think we went Hill House like directly into Bly Manor. Straight into Bly Manor. Yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, it's been a minute since we've done a TV <laughs> since show. Since season one of Homies of Horror, I don't think we've <laughs> yeah. done a tv show we haven't we've dabbled with the idea but just hadn't like jumped into one or hadn't really figured out which one because with if you guys have listened to those ones we did that a little bit differently in the sense of we did them as bonus episodes and we covered what about three episodes per one of our episodes mm -hmm. so we really broke the season down and since doing that we had discussed if we wanted to do like that kind of a method again or if we wanted to do one season in one episode and i think we just couldn't really we hadn't Although a lot of great horror shows have come out since then, I don't think we've really just had the time to sit down and watch them, both watch them, and really decide which one we felt was was worth diving into again. However, we had a show fall <laughs> perfectly into our hands. <laughs> it, fit, it fit what we had kind of been looking for we had this idea coming into this week of what we had wanted to cover. Mm -hmm. And then this show came out that kind of encompassed. It hit everything on our list that yeah. we've been trying to find in one movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Like we were, we knew that we wanted to do something vampires. We knew we wanted to do something in the spirit of pride. Yes. Uh, there were, there were a lot of different criteria that we were looking for for a movie for a movie mm -hmm. mind you and then while perusing the netflix there was just this one image this one banner um that has been stuck in the top 10 on netflix for a hot second now mm -hmm. that just kept catching our eye yeah it just kind of kept popping up like <laughs> tapping us on the shoulder and i think also too the great thing about this show is Although we've only covered two shows previously, both of them were, I think, much more serious, dark, gritty shows that it really did feel like we needed to dive deeply into. Like, that's why we split it up so much is because each episode felt like we had to really dissect it. Oh, yeah. And were some thick episodes. They were thick boys, which we love. <laughs> we love that. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, we really felt like we had to dive, sink our teeth you may say into <laughs> into like breaking those apart 
that's not to say that we won't be doing that a bit with this show. However, this show is a very easy watch through. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna come out, I'm gonna come right out and say it. First kill is cheese. It is camp. It is everything <laughs> I love in a teen show. Like this show felt like it was made specifically for 16 year old Erica, and <laughs> I was very very excited about that. <laughs> and I will come out and say that this show is typically everything I avoid in the things that I watch. Like, I am not the target audience for this show by any means. However, I will say that by the end of this season, I was far more invested in these characters (laughs) than I had ever planned to be. Yeah. And that, that is worth praising and mentioning because, my God, is this show cheese. This it, has got to be like is. one of the cheesiest, corniest shows I've seen in a while. But it's kind of fun. <laughs> it's fun. That, see, that's the thing about it. And that's what I tell people is, is yes, sometimes shows like this, these CW-esque shows are kind of hard to get through, especially if that's not your bag. But mm-hmm. one thing I can guarantee is you will be entertained, whether that's from actually enjoying it or from being like, <laughs> what? is going on there will be some entertainment there now it might not hook you like you might not be like you might say okay i i had one episode and i'm cool Mm -hmm. or you might want to come back for the whole season but either way i think there's something there where you just gotta sit back and go man this is crazy but i'm having (laughs) a good time i'm having a fun time that's dude that's so true and i would say this to anybody who hasn't watched this show yet or has like you know, thought about watching this show. If you're going to watch First Kill, you just have to strap in and go along for the ride. I promise you that is the best way to tackle this show. Because if you go in there with judgment, with preconceived notions, with any of that stuff, especially if this isn't like your cup of tea show, I don't know if you're going to be able to get through it. Mm -hmm. But if you surrender yourself to what this show is trying to do, there is there there is a lot of fun to be had. And I think if nothing else, there's gonna be some fantastic talking points from this. Oh, for sure. And I guess as a general kind of like assessment before we get into, I will say for this episode, we will obviously be it's spo- doing spoilers, but we're still gonna try and keep it where we're not gonna cover every single thing that happens in this season. So like if you still wanna listen to the episode, you haven't seen the show. Trust me, you can still watch the show and you'll, <laughs> you'll be still be fine. like this. OK, yeah, sure. Yeah, you'll be <laughs> fine. But I guess if you uh, want to just have a general overview of my thoughts of the show is, yeah, it's very much like Buffy. But if you threw in a lot more CW-esque writing, it's much more teen, teen drama-esque like in that sense like if you took the supernatural aspects of Buffy and that whole idea of like the high school mixed with that and then you really said but let's throw in Gossip Girl and Pretty Little Liars and (laughs) maybe just a dash of like Riverdale I feel like you would get this show and so there is 
if you like Buffy, I'm not going to say that you're going to like this show because they're I don't think that they're the same like tonal wise. I think they just have similar elements. But this one definitely goes uh, in the cheesier direction. There's not a there are some serious moments, not a ton of them. Mm-hmm. And so if you are not a fan of that kind of a genre, you might not vibe with the whole with the whole show but you know if if nothing else you'll definitely you'll get the vibes of the show immediately like within the first five minutes so (laughs) you turn it on check that first five minutes out and then you'll know like if it's worth even continuing on but at the same time i do think that this could be a show that you could have on just throw on to have something on and catch bits and pieces of it and be entertained by it Mm -hmm. yeah i i actually agree with that and uh for my pov even though this wasn't my favorite show i'll say that from the jump um i don't think i'm gonna be too critical because uh (laughs) again i'm sticking with this fun aspect of like this show's kind of fun and i'm just excited that I was able to find someone to talk about this show with. Cause I think yeah. that's part of the experience is like, after you watch this entire first season, you're going to want to talk about it. I yeah. promise you that. Cause you watched the first episode first. You were the one who actually proposed the idea but, to me. Believe it or not. It was actually I <laughs> who initially proposed this idea. And do you remember? Oh God. What did you say? Oh, you said like, it's, it's twilight. It's like a queer twilight love story or yeah basically i watched i watched the first episode i was like erica you have to check out this show because it's basically like queer twilight meets romeo and juliet and i feel like yeah. that's everything you want in a yes. tv show and then i replied and i said you had me at queer twilight i'll check it out <laughs> and we'll go from there and obviously we decided to do it so i mean we haven't discussed it at all we've both kept our thoughts completely to ourselves as much as it pained me oh my gosh i picked the phone up ready to text at certain (laughs) plot points but i kept it together so now i'm very much excited to finally get to break this down so i think it's time we give them a little taste of the plot (laughs) (laughs) all right say less homies we are entering into spoiler territory so you have been warned but today we are going to be talking about season one of First Kill. This series was created by Victoria Schwab and is starring Sarah Catherine Hook as Juliet Fairmont and Imani Lewis as Calliope Burns. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Savannah where we lay our scene. From ancient grudge break to new mutiny where civil blood makes civil fangs unclean. Meet Juliet Fairmont, a teenage vampire doing her best to blend in with everyday humans. And Calliope Burns, the youngest in a family of hunters sent to Savannah to investigate the recent monster sightings. After a chance meeting at a party, both girls discover each other's secret. But more importantly, the burning passion raging between them. Now the girls must navigate their family strife as they try to be together in a world desperate to pull them apart. Insert sexy stabbings. 
stellar CGI. And Moms Against All Monsters Here. Our season concludes with both families suffering great casualties. And our star-crossed lovers having to decide between romance or family. Also, where is Mother now? I ate her. Roll, Roll credits. credits. Okay. So, as you guys so. <laughs> can tell, I mean, we alluded to this earlier, but it's very much a Romeo and Juliet story, just with an insert of Calliope instead of Romeo. And also, as the thing that is the obstacle for them or the reason that their families are fighting is because mm -hmm. we have Juliet who is a vampire and comes from a family of vampires and Calliope who is a monster hunter who was specifically sent there to kill I mean not specifically to kill Juliet and her family but they were sent there to eradicate all of the monsters within Savannah yeah um which on paper okay that's a that's a fair enough plot for like a teenage yeah. supernatural drama i'm not i'm not too opposed to that it's just where the story goes that i think still to this moment has me flabbergasted it's a little the map it's a little all over the world it, <laughs> and not necessarily in a bad way like i love a show where i have no idea where it's going every destination i'm not quite sure how we got there or if we even needed to go there necessarily <laughs> but i'm happy for the experience like i'm grateful i got to see so many different options um but yeah it's definitely one of those shows where you think i it's weird because because of the story that they have, I do mm -hmm. think there's a very obvious path that yes. they can take. And I wouldn't have been mad if they took that. I wonder mm -hmm. if they wanted to subvert that. And that's why we go all the way around the mountain and back. Right. Because I, 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 like, <laughs> I feel like, one, they're not shying away from the Romeo and Juliet um, stuff that they're pulling. I mean, we have a character named Juliet and replacing romeo we have calliope which i have to assume is just a play on the capulets but um the the structure of the story is very much romeo and juliet we oh, have two yeah. lovers who are not supposed to be together their families hate each other and like by the end you know like there's gonna be some turmoil some bloodshed and then at the end either they have a tragic end or maybe they subvert and they end up together but like yeah. that path is very is very linear like we understand that yeah and i do think the show follows that through line all the way through the first season do they follow it directly absolutely not no. are they hanging on to it by an absolute thread most definitely yeah but i do think it does guide the plot along for the most part it does and you know and they make even more so than that <clears throat> kind of a play off of what we did in the synopsis is there's a lot of voiceover in this show from mm -hmm. both 
girls' point of views. And a lot of the times in there, they reference Romeo and Juliet and yeah. the things that happened within that play. Because another thing that happens, I think in like the fourth or fifth episode, is the they mention that their school is putting on Romeo and Juliet and they mm-hmm. like do this whole thing on the stage at the set where Calliope is reciting the lines and things like that. You know, they're they're really playing it up, which is fun, you know, lean into the thing that you're that you're meant to be getting inspiration from. It, I think the thing I'm the most surprised about is the family story and where they go because by all accounts i expected throughout that they'd be warring and warring and warring as the season went on Mm -hmm. and then we'd reach uh, i didn't expect to reach some kind of conclusion necessarily because in a tv show different than a movie you do have the ability to possibly have further seasons. So you don't want to put too nice of a bow on it because then it's like, well, where are we going to go? So I wasn't necessarily expecting everything to be sunshiny bright by the end of it, but I didn't expect either where we ended up, which we'll get to because I'm still on the fence about where we end up by the end. But I guess I just expected the families much more to be involved with each other and involved with the romance and to a certain degree they are but they also are much more doing their own kind of like subplots Mm -hmm. at the same time okay well kind of diving in not too deep but still dipping our toes in here um erica i actually don't want to know what's in your notebook per se okay but i would like to know what did you like about first kill (laughs) okay (laughs) so what i liked is i liked what they did with the vampires like i liked this whole thing with juliet's family you find out that their legacy vampires which is like the oldest vampires the most powerful and Juliet and legacy means that you were born a vampire. You weren't mm-hmm. you weren't turned. You've been a vampire your entire life. And I liked what they did with Juliet kind of being this vampire that's fighting against her nature and really trying to forge a different path. Because although that's not something that's new, like we've seen that time and time again, mm-hmm. I, I like seeing it in a younger vampire, especially because it's the first kill is really important to both girls. It's just different. For Juliet, yeah. it's like the very first human that she kills as a vampire. Mm-hmm. Um, and we kind of get to jump into her life where she's really wrestling with whether she even wants to do that or not which Mm -hmm. i will say (laughs) i do enjoy this story i really like the whole vampire side of this plot juliet you gotta kill somebody that's the thing about these vampires (laughs) these vampire stories where they're like i don't want to do it and then you realize that there's this huge con to them not doing it because in this one it's like she'll continue to just go into bloodlust and eventually she won't be able to control herself yeah. and she'll just kill anybody and i'm like that alternative seems way worse than just 
finding someone on the street who just find a, a criminal who's done horrible <laughs> things and who by all regards society would be happy if they weren't around anymore just find that person kill him and call it a day because she's like <laughs> sucking down these blood pills <laughs> every right. five minutes that are not helping at all because it looks like they have literally like a lid full of blood within them and i'm like surely that means nothing to you <laughs> right also i'm so the show doesn't explain a lot like it just yeah throws things at you and you just have to kind of deal with them one thing was the blood pills like we never actually learned anything about where she got them how they were made whose blood those are like yeah. none of that is covered we just know that she has these pills and that it is a plot point and you just kind of have sure. to accept it <laughs> sure and there's like no blood in them there's barely any blood in them i think we do find out that like the mother was doing back alley deals to get these pills oh, is that like, what it was? from who <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna market for blood pills in the back alleys with the vampires right because i'm like <laughs> It seems like Juliet is the only person who's fighting against the wanting, like, being a vampire and therefore doesn't want to kill people. Everybody else is cool with it. So I don't <laughs> think they got a huge audience for blood pills. I think Juliet's their sole customer, but they're, she's keeping them in business because girl is popping those things like they're Tic Tacs. Because for real. <laughs> it's the only thing that keeps her... I call them blood aches. Those like blood headaches aches. she got where everything turned red. And it was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all, the soundtrack of this show. Yeah. Almost as dramatic as the characters. Almost. If not more, <laughs> actually, in moments. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a, that, like, soundtrack, soundtracks for teen dramas are always a pro and a con for me mm -hmm. because they can heighten a scenario but they put so much music in them there's um there's so much music in every scene and i don't mean instrumental i mean like every scene you're gonna hear dua lipa levitating <laughs> just for like five seconds i think that's the thing about them is they'll throw them in for a very short amount of time mm -hmm. but they just often feel like they have to have music kind of as like the heartbeat of those shows and sometimes it is really awesome and can you'll remember that song just as much as you'll remember a scene but then at other times you're like this is a concert like we're legitimately <laughs> getting a new song every every minute every minute yeah that's, that's such a cw thing to do <laughs> just mm -hmm. throw in a different song uh but i i did find it fun that like these blood aches as you call them which i love that name by the way the blood <laughs> aches i like that because we're in this like teen drama setting that they're very like sexual and like passionate where it's like you understand what's happening to her but the way that it's shot the way that it's scored the way that it looks as like you can definitely confuse it with her just feeling a lot of like sexual energy attention. I'm just like, oh, I really want mm -hmm. whatever this is that I'm craving right now, yeah. um, which is like an underlying theme for most of the show, especially once our two lead actresses do meet each other. Oh, yeah. And I think it's just like a it's a vampire thing. It's mm -hmm. like vampires are sexy. We, we've established sexy. this. And we love that about them. They're meant to be like very, everything has a very sexual 
undertone and connotation. And obviously for Juliet, who's meant to be a child, it's not like played up too crazily. No, no, but no. but it's always there. It's just yeah. it's just a nature of vampire movies or lore or pop culture. Mm -hmm. But I like I actually like the um the way that they combine these two elements into something that feels very high school, feels very teenager, where it's less about what she actually wants in those moments and more so just the fact that it's just like there are things happening to her body that she doesn't understand and or cannot deal with in the moment and, or she's just having a hard time dealing with these things. So, yeah, like we don't get a ton of vampire lore. Some of it I'm still confused on. Mm -hmm. Especially with that. We talk about it. We just, you know, we were saying it's, yeah, there's something really sexual and intense when she gets in those moments or when, because she's, she's the main one that gets into that bloodlust. We don't really see that happen with anybody else for the mm -hmm. most part. But at times it's hard to tell how lusty that lust truly is because right. sometimes it's seems really intense and then other times it seems very easy to control so i don't but really know how much they have to feed <laughs> like, right but every time it happens you get these red lights popping mm -hmm. down on her like her breath is like <sighs> yeah <sighs> like it goes all true blood every like 10 minutes i'm like yeah. God damn. everybody's words are like kind of distorted for her so yeah mm -hmm. you can tell it really is a really affecting her but i i like this family unit as a whole i just think the vampire story and everything that they're dealing with is really is really interesting i was always really excited when they hopped back into their family because i was always interested in what was going to happen next with them mm -hmm. and i like the sibling issue like i think the dynamic between all of them is really is i think for me just a little bit more interesting and dynamic to watch for me than with the monster hunters because i just okay. i because i think what they're built what they've built up with it's like the mom seems a very specific way she feels very severe she's very into the legacy thing but she's actually a pretty good mom like she's also mm -hmm. quite caring at times the dad makes this weird transition that we'll get to <laughs> and that's like bonkers and made it really fun the sister eleanor is kind of a character that feels like an ally but then becomes a villain and then oliver is this mysterious part of the family and so i think that was what it was for me is there always felt like this mystery and like this underlying aspect to their family that mm -hmm. I was like really excited to find out where with the monster hunter family, I think they focused a little bit too much on the monster hunter aspect of them and I didn't agree. dive enough into them being a family. Like yeah. I wanted to see more of them 100%. just being a family, but everything they talked about involved months involved the vampires. So even when yeah. we were with them, we were talking about Julia and her family. Mm hmm. It's it's so true. I feel like because when the when the series starts, I definitely thought that I was going to lean towards the Monster Hunter family. Just, you know, we got the people of color on the screen and they out here big and bad doing their thing. I'm like, all right, I'm, I can relate to them. Let me let me see what they're about. And it's funny because I feel like as the episodes go on, 
we start with the vampire family and they seem like your by the books vampire family um i like that it's a matriarchy and like i like that they have this whole system set up and this legacy and yada 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 but i feel like as every episode continued we dove deeper into their family and their personalities and their interactions with each other and surprisingly there's a a lot of depth there in terms of like the intermingling's of their family and it's interesting to learn more about them where on the flip side i agree with you i think we spent a lot of time with the burns family who i suppose when you start out the series is going to be kind of our heroes right because most most of the time it's always like vampires are bad humans are good hopefully the humans win against the vampires and I think as more things happen and the longer you spend with the Burns family, it almost feels like they're being painted as more of like the monstrous of the two families. Yeah. Um, where like they're the ones who are actually fucking shit up and they're just so set in their ways of being hunters that they can't see the nuances that are happening with between their families mm-hmm. and between the two daughters. So... I feel like they almost get caricature-y the longer we go into the series, which is a stark contrast to the vampire family where the characters all get deeper the longer you spend time with them. Yeah, and I think because I do think that is an aspect of it is it's this idea of like, hey, we're both kind of monsters in this scenario, just like we to humans are the good guys, but to vampires, we are like monsters and then vice versa. And so right. that is a cool element. But I agree. It just feels like with the vampires, even though they're doing bad things, particularly Eleanor, like I think yeah. out of their whole family, Eleanor definitely is the worst. Like she's really just trying to fuck shit up all the time. And so... Right. Yes, there are bad vampires for sure, but we are able to kind of see more to them. And so Mm -hmm. we can see that they have depth and that they're just another family trying to survive. The monster hunters, however, don't ever feel like a family to me. They don't ever get that extra bit of depth that I think Mm -hmm. they need where I'll feel bad or I'll feel something for them when things go south. Because at the moment, I don't necessarily feel bad for them when things don't go their way because they're so focused on like kill, kill, kill. And that's all we ever hear from them. I don't get to see like the inner workings of their relationships. Besides with Talia, the mom, I think they're the most successful with her and kind of showing her feelings of like, yeah, we're monster hunters, but like, this is my family and we, and I want to make sure that they're okay first before anything else. Like, I think she is the most successfully written because she changes, I think Mm -hmm. grows the most for me throughout the season as far as the extended family go. But like, even with Mar- um, Margot and Sebastian, by the time we got to the uh, the vampire hunters attacking them at the party and Sebastian got hurt, like mm-hmm. I felt much more for them. I didn't care a lick about <laughs> old boy um, and girl who got, yeah, who got <laughs> impaled. Like the vampire hunter people, I didn't care if any of them got hurt because they hadn't built them up enough for me by that point. 
I didn't feel emotionally invested in them the way that I should have. I feel like as because I I did feel emotionally invested for Juliet's family. I was more worried about them than I was that any of the Burns family was going to get hurt. That's true. But even like the people who got impaled too were really brought in just to die. Like we we established (laughs) a scene before that they some no good snitches too. So it's like. You're right. I feel like even the show didn't care that they died. They really didn't. Frankly, and to be quite honest, they kind of didn't give a fuck after they died either. (laughs) Like we move on quite quickly. It it affects Tal. I think it affects the parents the most out of Mm -hmm. the family, but particularly like Calliope. We didn't get to see any of her feelings about that. It. I don't even know if they told her. Yeah, I don't even (laughs) think she knows yet that they're dead. Like eight episodes later, I still don't think she found out <laughs> that her aunt and uncle got turned into a human totem pole. <laughs> they were hanging from the tree like ornaments. I was like, oh lord, it doesn't mean yeah, it 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 hits for the parents for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the nature of the show, though. It's like when big things happen in this show, you got to understand that. You're going to breathe in it for maybe like five or ten minutes. Show's going to keep going. Like, we're moving on. (laughs) Yeah, we got a quick pace here, which works as far as keeping your attention, I think. But at times, I think the pace could be a little tweaked so that certain things have a little bit more time. Because there are characters such as them where we don't get a ton of time with them. So it feels like they came in just to add to like a specific plot point and then get flung aside fairly quickly. Uh, the same thing happens with our witch character who, mm-hmm. huh? <laughs> she, I assume, I have to hope if there is a future season that we will dive more into our witch. But right. as she stands in this season, she is um she feels like furniture she is there to be seen (laughs) it's so true though i'm pretty sure we're supposed to take away that she's like along with oliver like she's responsible for the monsters kind of coming back like she's the one that is really like the catalyst of like us seeing these monsters which is cool but you have to make that inference yourself the the show doesn't necessarily give it to you and like her herself, she appears all like three times throughout this entire season. So it's hard to really build a connection with this character. She's definitely kind of written in there to be a, if we make it to season two, you'll find out yeah. more about her. Hopefully. Yeah, you guys will really get to, yeah, get to know her. Yeah. Even, even with Oliver too, in a way, like Oliver in the second half, we do see a little bit more of him, but even his backstory and the stuff that's going on with him we don't get like the big big points of it. Like we find out about a turtle. That's a, that's about the most of yeah. his backstory that we get. Um, uh, yeah. And like he's got this whole beef with both his family, but mostly his sister. And like funny enough, even though I like Oliver just because it's fun whenever he appears, I feel like he for me was the least interesting of the family unit because he like he's so isolated we don't get to see um too many interactions between him and the family outside of like Mm -hmm. i don't like you and i know you don't like me where he kind of keeps that 
for most of this season, even though the vampire family is kind of changing around him. And that was kind of a bummer for me because I was like, Mm -hmm. I thought that by the end, perhaps there'd be some sort of a shift between at least him and his mom, because Margot grows a lot through the course of this season, like her, or at least her character changes. I think some of the most in terms of like the family dynamic. So I was surprised that by the end, the two of them hadn't really like changed. Yeah. And see, I feel a little bit differently. I actually thought Oliver, I thought was like one of the more interesting parts of their family because you, I think the more you learn about Eleanor, the more you learn about Oliver in the sense of, the more you realize how manipulative and how actually evil Eleanor is, the more you realize that Oliver probably was wronged and that Eleanor really twisted things so that he would be ousted from the family. And so I think you kind of get to see his point of view a bit more in the sense of like, yeah, he really kind of got the short end of the stick with his family. Mm-hmm. Where and then for Margot, Margot's a weird character because she I feels like she does change, but by the last episode, I feel like she's the same. It's she like she it's right? like she made a full 360. <laughs> and she like started in a spot and then she goes and she goes and she goes. And by the last episode, she's the Margot that we met in the first episode. It's mm-hmm. it's weird because it's I guess it's more so that she just has different like has um like always had these layers. And so maybe we just kind of got to see more of her throughout the course, but she's still, still is the this same person. person? Yeah. I feel that. Actually, I, I agree with you there. Yeah. Cause it's, she, it, I think it really does come down to, although she loves her family, appearances are still so important to her. And I mm-hmm. kind of wonder if her, if Margot's whole thing is that although she thinks she's different than her mother, in many instances, she's not that yeah, different because like she is her mom. Yeah, she's her mom in the sense that appearances are still really important to her. And although she does want her children to do what makes them happy, if what makes them happy is going to fall back on the family, then she can't. She mm-hmm. like won't have any of that kind of a thing. Yeah. So, and honestly, saying it out loud, I, I actually think a lot of characters kind of do that. Um, yeah. I'd say like a, a solid 80% of the characters <laughs> <laughs> change throughout the course of the season. And, and then by back. the time we hit the last episode, they're basically the same person. again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We get some full complete circles with a lot of people rather than reversals, uh, which mm-hmm. is interesting, <laughs> sets you up in an interesting place uh, if they end up picking it up again. But I do... I will say that all being said about the Burns family and this whole mm-hmm. monster hunting a- aspect, I do like when they're hunting monsters and when they're actually like going into the monsters. I think that's fun. Um, I wish there was more of that because there is not a ton of it. But I think one like one of my favorite ones is when Juliet and Cal are hunting the zombie. I was like, I want more of these like adventures and monster hunting moments because they're (laughs) just kind of silly and fun. I will say they can feel a little underwhelming at times. I think especially the vamp, the huge vampire um, ambush. Yeah. Isn't that wasn't as action packed as I was anticipating it to be. (laughs) But, you know, what are you going to do? 
that's we don't gotta, all have the budget for that. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. I'm like that's gotta be a budget thing. It's and like honestly, be. that's why I haven't brought up the CGI yet because it is egregious how bad it's, the CGI in this is. It is so bad. <laughs> it's the monsters from the live action Scooby-Doo and it's <laughs> endearing. Like something about it is very in like adds to the show in a weird mm-hmm. way. Because... That's, what, that's what I was going to say is like, <laughs> it's bad. The CGI is bad, but for this show, it kind of works. It kind of works. I'm kind of okay with it because there's just so much going on. There's so much wacky. There's so much drama there's so much teen angst. They're like, there's so yeah. many elements of like young teen supernatural drama that seeing these Scooby-Doo Island monsters doesn't actually phase me that much. I forgot to mention this while you we were recording, but I had to do an insert because I simply cannot let this slide. I can forgive the CGI and the effects, what have you. Because it fits the show. However, what I will not forgive is in the very first episode, there's a FaceTime call. And they cut. First, we see Calliope and her friend Tessa talking like normal. Calliope's like in her bedroom holding the phone. And then all of a sudden, it cuts to a completely black screen with just the phone in the middle. And then the FaceTime call happening. It's like the phone is floating in a black abyss an obsidian void nobody's talking to the phone anymore it's just the phone with their faces on it and what happened there we cannot forgive that i can not forget that i had to let it be known that that i thought was weird and that took me aback so if you guys watch the first episode which if for nothing else, watch it for that FaceTime call because we got to talk about it. I I needed it to be known. So, yeah, uh, back to the episode. Yeah, it's not so it's not so bad. It kind of fits. And I don't know. This is for anybody. If you guys have any of you guys have seen the like um, Pinata Island horror movie from like the early 2000s no idea what that is they travel to this island for like a party and there's a demon pinata there that kills everybody god i love horror (laughs) i'll maybe post a picture of it or like a video of it on our instagram so you guys can see there's a particular monster in this show that looks exactly like the pinata island demon (laughs) it's the one that um cal was supposed to kill and Mm -hmm. she didn't because that's like her big thing is she still hasn't gotten her first monster kill because she kind of flubbed it on that first monster but at the same time i know they didn't give her that little baby knife to kill that big old monster (laughs) and then her mom comes up with a crossbow i was like you guys kind of set her out for failure so true and like i I actually appreciate that Cal um, has this journey that she also has Mm -hmm. to go on because she's not she's not framed as a character that doesn't know what they're doing or like the reason why they haven't gotten their first kill is from lack of expertise or like talent. Like it's already set up that she is a very talented hunter and she is very good at what she does. It's just by circumstance that she hasn't gotten her first kill yet. And I thought that that was very smart and a good juxtaposition to Juliet. 
just in the fact that like Juliet understands the world of being a vampire, being a vampire just through being a legacy, but you can tell that there are elements to being a vampire that she is still learning about where Cal, on the other hand, is like, this is not my first time being out hunting monsters. I may not have gotten a kill yet, but I'm very experienced at what I do. Yeah, but I can. And yeah, there's a little bit of a difference in the way that their families treat them as well, because despite Juliet, also, but despite them being the same age, Juliet's family is saying, hey, you're old enough now to be doing these things, to basically be going out into the world and doing whatever the frick you want because you're ready for that now. And they're like kind of pushing her to do more, to like do these more advanced things that she is like, I'm not ready for this. Whereas Cal is like, I am ready for this. And her whole family is like, treats her like a baby. They call her Mm -hmm. baby girl and all that. Like they treat her because she is the youngest and also the only uh, girl with, or the only sister, I guess I should say, they really treat her like she had, like she needs like these like water wings on. She's not ready for the deep end. And she's like, I am. I, <laughs> if you guys just gave me a chance, like I would be fine. And so she kind of has to go off and do it on her own because she knows if she goes with her family, they're not going to let her try to do anything mm-hmm. where it whereas Juliet like they're not even wanting to go with her for her first kill they're just like go out do it on your yeah. own for some reason I'm like that seems very dangerous <laughs> <laughs> for her to just go off but okay so yeah even the way that their families treat them is is complete opposite and so mm-hmm. I think I think like Cal overcompensates for that a lot in that she I mean, she is a little bit, you know, of like a tougher exterior anyway because of the way that she's grown up. But I feel like she also feels that she has to be that way to like show that she's tough and yeah, and that she like is ready for this hard world. And then Juliet's like a little bit more just kind of like everything's okay and everything will be fine and everything Mm -hmm. like there's hope in the world because her like there's really from her point of view she doesn't think there is because she's like, I don't want to be a vampire. True. Like, what am I supposed to do in my life? <laughs> right. Like, I just want to be normal. I just want to go to clubs. Yeah. yeah. I want to make, make scenery for theater. That's, that's all I want to <laughs> yeah, do Yeah, I want to decorate sets for, for our <laughs> school play. I want to go to, well, she doesn't like to go to high school parties, but she will go to them because of mm-hmm. her friend Ben, who I also really like. I like yeah. Ben. I like their I- friendship. I think it's nice. I like Ben a lot. I did not like how much he got sidelined towards the yeah. end of the first season. I wish he had more to do. I wish he had he had something besides just being Juliet's friend. Because mm-hmm. at first that's fine. Yeah. But I think the more we get to know him, uh, even with his mother that still kind of falls back to Juliet because, like, the only reason he's just trying to stop his mother is because he's like, I don't want you to hurt my friend kind of a thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I wish Which his mother, had... by the way, for those who have made it this far and haven't watched the show yet, is leading the um, the community mother charge against monsters. Yeah. A bunch of soccer moms all protesting monsters being in their town. Right. Which... I will say, though, is actually another element that I enjoyed is this town 
is aware that monsters exist because they used to have monsters in their town and everybody kind of banded together to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And so they've been living monster free, they think, for the last like 20 years or something, 15 Mm -hmm. years, I can't remember. But so now that it's coming back, they're all confident again that they can do the same thing. So I thought that was kind of cool because I was like, "It's, it's a nice element to have it where everyone's aware of monsters uh it kind of threw me off at first when they're when she's like that's the monster alarm i was like the what the what (laughs) yeah but it's a it's like a fun element to throw in there but yeah it just it feels like ben doesn't have a ton of stuff to do besides kind of like running around and trying to keep the peace between his mother and monster and juliet i guess yeah i i'm happy to the degree that he's still present for the entire season like he's still always there and they give him something to do for the most part but his importance level i think drops the deeper you get into the season and like maybe if they get into season two it'll full circle with him being more of like a force especially with um, the the route that his mom is going. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to see that if they get a season two to explore that character a little bit more because I do think there's something there. And I also think, um, what's her name? Jonas, Jonas Allen did a great job as Ben. I think that their performance was really good. Um, and <laughs> I'm sorry, there's, <laughs> this is kind of off topic, but with the, with the mam, the mom's group, mm-hmm. um, both a pro and a con, kind of my favorite thing about them is I love every scene of their protest because they like always do this pan of the crowd of moms and it looks exactly like a group of moms who have nothing better to do mm-hmm. than complain about monsters standing outside. Like they they are the picture. They are what you would imagine to see because like, yeah. Even with, like, the people that they cast as, like, the background moms, if you want a good time, just go to every scene that has the mom and just look at every single mom in the group. And let me tell you, they are a cast of characters if you pay enough yeah. attention. Yeah, it's it, it fits. And, like, the shirts that they make and, like, <laughs> the, the, the signs with the signs have on them. It looks like every, like, group that protests something where you're like, guys... Come on. Come on. <laughs> Come I love what on. Theo says about them when we see him the first time. He's like, what are they going to do if a monster comes? Make him a meatloaf? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but truly, it's like they they really, and now we don't know what <clears throat> kinds of monsters they were battling in the past. Mm-hmm. But y'all, what you have no training. You have no, <laughs> why is it up to you to fight the monsters? Look, honestly, with this kind of show, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets revealed that all of them are trained monster yeah. hunters. Matter of <laughs> fact, if they were, if it came out that they were the guild, I wouldn't even be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were like part, they're a subsection of the guild the whole time. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't either. The way that this <laughs> show goes sometimes, I'd be like, yep. Sure, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> but um, yeah, Ben Ben is a cool, I do, although that kind of becomes all that he is, especially after his kind of side story with this guy that he has been hooking up with. Like once that ends, I think especially he doesn't have a ton to do. Yeah. Um, but I will say, even though most of it is 
stalked on this relationship that he has with Juliet. I do like their relationship and I like their interactions with each other. But well, let's oh, go ahead. I was just going to say just very quickly uh, speaking on his like kind of closeted crush mm-hmm. um, to talk about variance in this show, man. The, the level of violence showed towards that character yeah. compared to everyone else is so stark. Like, we get little nibbles on necks. Uh, occasionally, characters are impaled with mm-hmm. a spear. Homeboy Noah gets his entire spine yeah. ripped from his body in full view yeah. of the camera. Very shocking difference to the deaths that we had seen up until that point ripped clean out and like this is this is after this is another one of those moments i'll say that i think like i said they're the serious moments that you can take seriously i should say are pretty few and far between but i will say this moment between noah and ben is one of those where Mm -hmm. they're having their confrontation about noah hi you know hiding ben and ben feeling like everything he's doing is like worthy of a relationship which is they, fair a fair is, standpoint yeah, to be at 100% fair. they have this this really big fight that i actually really liked their little co- confrontation in the locker room and then yeah we <laughs> we we get past that and next thing we know noah's spine is getting <laughs> yanked absolutely from yeeted from his body and it's yeah it, it it made me laugh i agree just because up to that point we hadn't seen anything <laughs> And I knew when he like fell flat on his stomach, I was like, oh, that's a wrap. Either she's grabbing his ripping his heart out or something or he's she's going to rip his spine out. And she took his spine. And I just thought that was kind of different. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to choose the high road here and just completely not say anything about their take on zombies. You know what? They made a take. Okay. It's different. They did it. It's different. It's not It's not my cup of tea, but you know what? It is your show. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and you do what makes you happy. And you know what? It, it, it yeah. So, <laughs> so, like, I, you know what this, I will say, I'm going to mix another thing into the mixture I already created for the show of, like, describing all the different shows. Another one I throw in there is um, My Babysitter's a Vampire. Mm. Throw that show in there, too, which I actually love that show. <laughs> I think um, a lot of people actually love that show. I've only I, seen a yeah. couple episodes of it. Throw that show in there, too, uh, because I think this is a mixture of that as well. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about... Calliope and and Juliet and their relationship. What did you think of of that and how they kind of progressed throughout the season? So I got to be honest, I had kind of mixed feelings the longer I watched the show. Um, I enjoyed the passion between these characters. And I and I like that despite everything, for the most part, that they put this passionate love that they feel for each other above everything else, above family, above responsibility. It was like, it's me and you against the world. I do like that a lot. And even seeing the actresses outside of the show, just in a little bit of like behind the scenes, it seems like they have a lot of like friendship and good chemistry in that regard. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was just me, but 
There were a lot of moments where I felt like their show chemistry, though, was a little forced. It didn't mm. feel natural to me. Um, it felt written well. Like, I feel like the characters, the way they love each other was written well. But for something about, I, I don't know, there were just moments where I was like, I really stand and I ship y'all together. And then other moments where I'm like, do y'all actually like each other or are you just too deep into this to let go? Yeah, I think so. One thing I really enjoy about them as well is I like that they're already like the basis of their relationship does not have to do with their like sexuality. It's not about like, oh, I don't want to be out like they're both already out. They both know that they both already like girls and they mm -hmm. like that's fine. There's no issues with that. Everything yeah. with that goes well. The which, issue is that one of them is a vampire. One of them is a vampire hunter. <laughs> yeah, which I, I will say is a big pro of this show for me. And like, yes. I think huge for a show that's coming out in Pride Month um, that the fact that these characters are lesbian or that any of the characters are queer in the show is not the focal point of anything. Mm -hmm. I love that there are so many other things to focus on that it is just a part of their universe. And I mm -hmm. think more shows should follow suit in that, where like the fact that character like a girl likes a girl or a guy likes a guy should not have to be a focal point in a show yeah. or movie just because it's there. These people and these characters exist in real life. We can just show them, have yeah. them existing. Is completely fine. Yeah, I love that the show does that. That's not the issue for anyone. That's yeah. their families are fully accepting of it. Friends are cool with it. The issue is, yeah, one of them's a vampire, the other one's a monster <laughs> hunter. That's what the issue is. So yeah, like that's that's great. I like that. That's not like a big obstacle that they have to overcome. They both already like each other. Mm -hmm. um, I would say probably Juliet more in the beginning, and then Goliath yeah. comes around. Kind of a Juliet thing. is thirsty. Yeah, Juliet's for... totally into it. She's like that. Yes, yes. Juliet has, you know, we all remember those like intense school crushes that we had. And Juliet from the get go has that. Calliope does as well to a certain extent. But we find out later that she knew that mm -hmm. Juliet was a monster. Like, so she was a little bit more tentative about that. She was very one track minded on that aspect. And so although she was attracted to her, that was not what was important. And mm -hmm. so... Yeah, it like I liked that. And yeah, I'm glad that they let them be passionate. And I'm glad that later on we got to have more moments with them. I think what would have helped that feeling is if we had more moments in the beginning of them just being with each other and like getting to know each other on a level of like kind of what they do when they're in the school and they sit down and they're just kind of talking to each other. Yeah. I wanted more of that. It feels like we never got any of that for the most part. And I understand it's hard when there's like so much going on. When are they going to find time for that? But mm -hmm. it feels like we skipped over a lot of that. And so, yeah, you, you almost feel at times, because for a minute there too, I even was like, is calliope only into this because of juliet biting her and now they have yeah. this connection and then once it got severed i was like okay no she she is into it yeah and i think that's where like for me the chemistry really started to build is like after the severing i think yeah. at that point they had relaxed into their relationship and i was like okay i'm here for this 
but yeah, the in the first half for me, it just kind of felt like we hooked up at a party and then Juliet caught feelings. And then Cal's also like, yeah, I could probably date this girl, but I don't yeah. have to kill her too. But like, I, I don't really know how I feel about this. Right. Um, and I feel like in that, navigating that for me is where I was like, I feel like the chemistry is kind of lacking. But I think once the characters were, once the plot allowed for both characters to 100% be like, I want to be with you mm-hmm. and you want to be with me. I think that's when, for me, the relationship really started to take off. Yeah. But it was just hard for me to believe it starting out. And I think something that could have fixed that was two things, actually. First is from the beginning, I think they should have maybe had Cal be a little bit more questioning of if every monster is bad. Because Mm -hmm. I do think that switch happens a little quickly for me, where all of a sudden she's like, okay, cool. Like... I'm attracted to this vampire, so this is fine. Like, I wish she had questioned that a little bit more from the beginning so that it... Because in that first episode, and even through that second episode, I didn't think that she was vibing with Juliet at all. Right, that's what I was saying. I really didn't think she liked her at all. She was mean, Mark, in the show. She was mean. She was mean. (laughs) And so I was almost like i was a little taken aback when when things progressed with her as quickly as they did and that you know she she was probably suppressing some of those feelings it was clearly had sexual chemistry but mm-hmm. i felt like the emotional connection i didn't necessarily think she had that and so i think if she had been a little bit more hesitant to kill juliet in the first to attempt to kill her in the first place i would have been like oh she's kind of like she's willing to not even kill her Mm -hmm. because she kind of likes her i think that would have helped and also knowing that they can see like meet each other in their dreams i think they should have used that more because then they could have gotten to know each other in their dreams and if cal legitimately thought it was a dream and she was like a little bit more uninhibited in them i think they really could have connected through their dreams because obviously she didn't want to connect with her in real life for a while Mm mm-hmm that's perfect then great meet each other in your dreams have some cute little dates in there and then cal realizes they were real and she's like i like juliet like as a person yeah i think that really would have helped because i just i think it's more so for her and that's i think just more of a plot point is i think for juliet i saw it from the beginning but with cal i didn't really see the moment that she really was like, I'm really to, I'm going to risk it all mm-hmm. for her. Like, I didn't really but, see that. But that, I think that's an important point to keep in mind too. Um, even as somebody on the same side as you is Juliet's world doesn't shift to the same degree that Cal's does by true. this relationship. Very true. Because we already know that Juliet is trying her best to assimilate with human culture. Mm-hmm. So just liking liking someone and pursuing them isn't too out of the box for her. But for Cal to be in any sort of situation with a monster is absolutely huge for her mm-hmm. and her family. And I do think that they navigate this dynamic of like her having to kind of pick between her first love and her and her found family is uh is a cool dynamic to have to navigate but i do think it makes that character it puts that character at such a conflict for so long Mm -hmm. that i do think it takes away a little bit from that initial like chemistry because that's important in these kind of shows is like when these characters meet 
and we're establishing that these are our main love connection, I feel like you really got to feel it. Like, you really got to feel it between the two. And like you said, like, I think you definitely feel it from Juliet. um, But Cal, I don't think you really get to feel it until, like, way deeper into the series. Especially because we find out that Cal knew going into the closet that she was going to do that. So it makes me think, oh, so you only kissed her like that was all a distraction almost rather than mm-hmm. it being like, oh, she really wanted to kiss her. Like, yeah. I, I, I liked, although I really liked that reveal, I thought it was cool to find out that she knew that she was a monster the whole time. Mm-hmm. I I was like, oh, you planned it. That's not to say, obviously she was into it. Like you can yeah. tell she was, but it's just like, ah, you were still gonna kill her though. And you were just surprised she didn't die. And then I also didn't love that, then Juliet says she knew she was going to try and kill her. Because I was like, girl, sus. how? <laughs> how did you know, Juliet? Oh, didn't you know? Legacies have x-ray vision. I saw yeah. the stake in uh, the back of your pants. I saw it. But... I had felt it when I reached around your back. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and also, we have learned that vampires are not that perceptive. Because there are many times in this show that people are sneaking around and the vampires don't even realize. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Um... <laughs> But yeah, like for the most part, by the end, I was like, okay, I'm cool with this couple. And like, I do watch the, I enjoy watching them navigate. Mm -hmm. But for me, there were some hiccups along the way in terms of like having them be a believable leading couple for the show. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting because they're not like the only romance in the show, though. Like, I will say the Apollo Eleanor thing could not (laughs) ship that shit. Don't know where that even came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, uh, it made sense when they were, because I'm like, nothing's kind of come from this. Right. So I didn't really understand why we kept having these like moments between them. Because mm-hmm. I, and, and it, were, I don't get me wrong, I liked their banter because I think those two characters are kind of like opposite spec, the like, both very similar in their families as far as like what kind of dynamic they create but yeah it was like i don't even know why we needed that first bar scene with them because (laughs) it really kind of meant nothing in the grand scheme of things because it would have it would have worked if we saw him if him and eleanor had seen each other at the vampire thing yeah he like tried to stake her or something but nothing like that happened so it kind of feels like a one of those other destinations that we didn't quite need to ride through. Yeah, I think if they had <laughs> set that up a little bit earlier, maybe it would have worked more, but it it felt very forced. Um, <laughs> but I'll say a relationship that I did not think that I would give a shit about is with uh, Juliet's parents. I thought that their relationship was uh, very intriguing. I liked oh, yeah. I liked the direction that we went in, despite the fact that it went off a cliff and we somehow landed on our feet afterwards. Yeah, but... it's, it's very sweet. In the beginning, it seems like they don't have very much of a Mm-mm. relationship. It almost just feels like everything just feels very clinical and cold and like everything's yeah. for appearances. But yeah, as the show goes on, it's like you realize they like deeply love each other. And I mean, Margot put her whole life on the line just so she could be with him. And Mm -hmm. he did the same. I mean, he was a human and he became a vampire because he wanted to be with her. And so they have this very sweet, loving relationship that when they have those moments together is really nice. And then, um, and then Sebastian turns into a snake man. (laughs) 
we have to talk. We simply must talk about it. Cause that was the one that had me blown. That's the one where I picked up my phone. I said, "Gotta, I gotta, I gotta text him," but I didn't. I didn't. Oh, when he goes full reptile, I don't know what to think. Like, I think that's when I fully let go, and I was like, "I'm just along for the ride at this point." Right. Which, let me see. That was episode. That, like, that's it's like five. four or five, right? Yeah. That's episode five. Because I wrote in my notes, "Snake Man." Because <laughs> it's weird. Because uh, so that all happens because he's dying. I did. That was cool too. It's like he's much. He's more significant. They don't know how to kill legacies. We still mm-hmm. don't know how you kill a legacy. True. But he was half, so he was much more hurt in that big battle than she was. And he's like dying. They convince the grandma to save him and mm-hmm. the snake because they like worship a snake god <laughs> from the garden of eden that snake is like their main snake god besides lilith but the snake jumps into his chest <laughs> and then the next time and i remember after that happening i thought it should just heal him like i didn't think anything of it i was like oh yeah. that's a crazy way to heal somebody but okay sure because then he's fine but then the next time we see him he's being really weird like mm-hmm. so weird that he scares juliet like she's yeah. like what is wrong with you like what is going on and then and the whole time i thought he was just being weird because like, like he, side effects yeah of like side being effects. Healed. or i thought he was maybe trying to hide from her that all this stuff was going down with him and the burns and like mm-hmm. i didn't know what was going on so i was i had wrote all these notes about being like just tell her the truth like you and julia have such a good relationship why are you being so weird mm-hmm. so imagine my surprise where the next episode he unhinges his jaw <laughs> like anaconda <laughs> And sucks a whole woman down whole. I was like, we found out how to kill a legacy. Apparently, you just got to eat them. <laughs> you just have to turn into a snake vampire and, and slurp them down. <laughs> like like baked ziti. I just was so... Because when that started happening and his eyes started going green, I said, no way. No way. <laughs> And now they don't show most of it because obviously no. that would be like way too budget. That would be way too heavy of to try and CGI that. But we like zoom in. <laughs> <laughs> we zoom in on his eyes while he's doing it. And they're like bright green. There's blood spraying everywhere. There's like crunching sounds like. <laughs> yeah. And Eleanor is just standing there watching the whole time. Yeah, she and just then, lets it happen. <laughs> and then Margot walks in afterwards and, yeah, is like, where's mother? <laughs> <laughs> I ate her. <laughs> and Margot just lets it go. Margo and Margot okay. lets it go and they, and they kiss and hug. And I think, honestly, like, uh, I, I saw a panel <laughs> for first kill, which is that scene. It is literally just, where's my mother? I ate her. Then pause. <laughs> And then they're just making out. And I was like, if this does not capture the essence of this show, I don't know what else does. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. 
I mean, she didn't care. She didn't like her mother. Like, she hated her. So I didn't think she was going to care that she was dead. I just thought the fact that he ate her was something that she would be like, but how? Because I'm like, (laughs) do you often have snake people within this vampire (laughs) legacy? Or is this brand new? Because this feels new to (laughs) me. We gloss over it so quickly. No explanation. And multiple times throughout the rest of the season, they keep commenting that he's like shedding. We never see that. He yeah, looks great. Except for like that one time he's got like what looks to be like yeah. lotion under his eyes for like two seconds where they just, yeah. you know, scotch taped like, a little bit of snake skin to his face. And it was yeah. like, he's he shedding. Like little scabs on his cheeks and stuff. But once all of that heals up, he looks great. He's glowing. He looks like he had a facial. Like he looks great. And mm-hmm. But they continue to say like, dad's still shedding. And then he also, like, now adopts this new person. Like, after he eats grandma, he becomes a whole new man. He's like, he just wants to eat everybody. Like, all of his problems, he is now like, I can solve this by eating them. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like the whole legacy thing made him much more of, like, a business guy. And, like, he's really, he's all about, like, getting down to business. Which, and I will say, too, that's another thing I love. My Some of my favorite moments are the parents, interacting mm-hmm. with each other like yeah. Ta- Talia and Margot, anytime they have an interaction love that Spicy. they just have they have such good like chemistry and they banter off of each other so well and i'm like yes give me more of these and then even when the two parents meet and kind of have that little board meeting mm-hmm. i was like i want see that's why i want more of that i want yeah. more of the families going back and forth with each other because they're so different. And so that makes for a really nice like back and forth with them. Mm-hmm. And I we got every time we got that, I was like more, but we don't get a ton <laughs> of it. <laughs> I know it's so disappointing because, yes, I agree. Those are like some of my favorite parts, too. And I love that every time that they do meet, it's kind of under this understanding that they can't hurt each other. So they yeah. have to actually interact with each other. And that's that's where a lot of the fun in the show comes is watching these two families interact with each other, but they can't kill each other because of their yeah. kids. Yeah. And which is, you know, it's leaning towards the Romeo and Juliet, but that's where they kind of differ. And like Romeo and Juliet, they can kill each other in this version. They they try their best not to for the sake of their kids. Yes. yes, they and it's fun because obviously they can't resort to violence. But because they can't, they use their words. And so they're mm-hmm. just like insulting each other back and forth. They're so catty. I and love that so shit. They're so catty. Especially, and I'll say especially the moms. I think the moms really helm a lot of what's going on with their daughters. Mm-hmm. And so we get a lot of interactions with them. And I just, they're so different. Yeah. And I, but I love the way that they handle, A, their daughters. Because like anytime anybody's coming for them, I do love the way that they like fight back for them. But because they're so similar in that sense. They love their kids and are willing to do anything for them and Mm -hmm. so i think they both realize that on a certain level they're very similar in that way but then obviously like that's where the nice the niceties like stop because then they're like but you're still shit like and i hate you (laughs) and i love i love that but it was fun to bring jack and sebastian into that one meeting because we hadn't seen them Mm -hmm. get to interact up to that point and that was great that was that was super good. And now we're a little deep into the episode and we still have a couple bullet points. So we may just like hit. A, I just want to hit a few of these with mm-hmm. you. And then if you want to hear us talk more about this, feel free to stop by our stream because I'm sure we're going to have <laughs> a lot more to cover when it comes to this show. 
Um, but key plot points here that I, I didn't want to leave without talking about. Um, first off, Jack. Just Jack in general. Yeah. <laughs> Jack is Jack is something else. Jack. <laughs> Jack is the, like... <sighs> It's so weird because I feel like in the Burns family, for the first half, he seems like the voice of reason in that yeah. in that uh, parental duo because, Ta- like, Talia, she's a strong woman and, like, mm-hmm. she definitely does helm the family and you respect her for that. But Homegirl definitely has anger issues, like, mm-hmm. to the upteenth degree. Like, every time she gets mad, she just goes from stone face to throwing knives at walls. Yeah. And I got to say, Talia, a little bit of therapy may assist with some of this. Because you you are working through some things. And I respect that. But mm. seek a friend, you know? It seems, to help. <laughs> it seems like it helps her in the monster hunting department. True. True. <laughs> but Jack is just one of those characters where, like, he seems very understanding. Like, he seems like he's, he's there... You know, he's he's there for you. He's with it. And then Theo gets turned and his character switch. Yeah. Night and day. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why. And I think they could have done a little bit more with Jack building him up a little bit before that. So that we kind of got that. That would happen. We get it because like he above all is like very into the monster hunting thing. And he Mm -hmm. sometimes forgets that like it's family first. Yeah. And so, like, it's not totally out of bounds, but the quickness with which it happens is like, huh? Like, he is <laughs> over it. He's immediately like, that man is not my son. Like, it's <laughs> so ready to turn him to ash. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, it's that a same, switch. Yeah, I was going to say, in that same realm, um, Theo and his entire journey in the Bro, second half of this first season. <laughs> as far as Theo and Apollo go, like... Theo, that whole thing with Theo and his mom, what? That happened in, like, we we got a little bit about it in, like, the second episode. And then mm-hmm. the last three episodes, they bunched all of this stuff together about him trying to, like, avenge his mother. And he's, like, really <laughs> upset all of a sudden that nobody else is as invested as him, despite him not really telling anyone what's going on. Right. And, like... I will say, this is my one biggest thing with the the last episode that I wish was switched. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't mind that someone from their family became a vampire. Mm-hmm. Like, sure, whatever makes sense. Because either someone needed to die from their family or needed to make like a severe switch. And so yeah. a vampire is a great middle ground where you still keep a character. I don't think it should have been Theo. I think it should have been Apollo. Right. That right. makes much more sense. Apollo was rec- his whole thing was being reckless. Theo always having to come in and save him. And I think and I get that maybe they were trying to show that like now Theo's gone and Apollo's going to have to step up or something. But I feel like it would have been emotionally harder if it was Apollo because then because Theo hates vampires so much that and now it's like hey, your brother's a vampire mm-hmm. and like both then both Theo and the dad could have been like, kill Apollo. We got to get him out of here, blah, 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 blah. And then Cal and the mom would be the opposite. Where like now it's just the dad who wants to kill Theo. And then Mm -hmm. like Apollo's just chilling. I feel like it would have given Theo more to do. Because I'm like, now is that whole mom subplot gone? Because he's a vampire? Like, (laughs) 
Because, like, I, we're definitely, like, hinting that, like, oh, it's a legacy. So it's most likely going to be somebody in Juliet's family or something. Like, they were setting all this stuff up. But then, like, the moment we turn him, I'm like, so we're just going a whole different direction, huh? Yeah. Like, we, we just forgot about everything we set up those past two episodes. For Leo. And I'm like, we didn't set up as much for Apollo. So I feel like that would have been something new for him to handle. And he's so, like, that kind of a personality that he has. I would have mm -hmm. liked to see that as a vampire who's now going to be working with Oliver and like causing a ruckus. Like mm -hmm. I would prefer to see that than Theo, who's probably going to go through like a, I hate myself thing <laughs> now. And I'm like, okay, Juliet already hates herself. Also, <laughs> like as, yeah. And also, as far as we know, the witch apparently has a spell that spell can make that a can vampire human. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's some weird thing with that, but I was yeah. just like, did we forget about that as well? <laughs> like we introduced this plot point that seems like it would fix a lot of problems. Yeah. Problems, but nobody explores this option, which, yeah. okay, sure. sure. <laughs> I, but dude, I agree with you. Apollo would have been a much better choice. It probably would have fixed the ridiculousness that was that entire bathroom sequence anyway, because then <laughs> I think we could have found a way to not do it that way. Because <laughs> quite frankly, the whole, that whole situation was so ridiculous and so <laughs> avoidable that I could not take it seriously at any point. And I don't understand, like, a lot of the characters in the show make some wackadoodle decisions where you're like, this could easily be fixed mm -hmm. um, with, like, just talking or just, like, not <laughs> doing this. But this is one of those where they know that staking her doesn't work. So, so what was even the point of trying to stake her? And, like, the way that she literally had to only move her hips an inch <laughs> to the side... <laughs> <laughs> for him to stab Theo instead was a very ridiculous choice. And then the, the choice of doing it in like slow motion and sepia toned while oh. he was falling to the ground. <laughs> we spent so much time with bleeding out Theo. It's, it's yeah. bonkers. That whole sequence is absolutely bonkers. It was, it was pretty silly. And I do think, I don't understand why they had Eleanor erase their memories. Because I was like, you just erased a whole conflict that we could have had in the final episode let yeah, them I, know that eleanor they should know that it was eleanor yeah it's so annoying like though all of apollo's like what happened i don't remember oh i hated that hated it no it was my fault i don't know why but it was my fault and then they start remembering that it was eleanor anyway so i was like so why did she erase her memories yeah, like ooh, like what was the point and honestly, too, just going off of, like, things I would have changed outside of just ripping that sequence out entirely, um, I think there would have been a little bit more to play with if it was actually Eleanor who changed uh, Theo and yeah. not Juliet. Because yeah. I think that would have given, especially with where Eleanor's character ends up, it would have given us something to just kind of, like, savor after she leaves. I'm like, after everything she did in the moment, she was like... I'm not going to let this enemy family die. Like, I'm going to keep this guy alive. That would have done, I think, wonders for just her character arc mm -hmm. in terms of, like, what's going on with Eleanor. So, like, yes, it does It does become a catalyst to kind of, like, break um, the relationship of Juliet and Cal, sure. But I just think there was a lot of space in that little subplot for these side or auxiliary characters to mm -hmm. grow. I think because we tried so hard to pull it back into our main story, it ended up feeling a little bit lackluster. Yeah, especially, too, because Juliet still would have been mad 
at mm-hmm. Eleanor for doing that. And I think it would have been nice because then they had already set up in the last episode where Cal made a comment that they had like done this whole plan and schematics and shit to like attack Juliet's family. And Juliet kind of was like taken aback by that. I think you could have still done that in this last episode. Have Eleanor have bitten him, whatever, turned him. Everybody finds out. And then Juliet goes to Calliope and Calliope's like, no matter what, I'm going to figure out how to kill a legacy vampire and I'm going to kill your sister. Mm-hmm. And like, and then, and then she, or she says like, and I'm going to kill your family or something. That could still cause a rift between them. Because exactly. now Calliope is like dead set on killing legacy vampires. And Juliet's like, but bitch, that's still my family. Like, yeah. I feel like that could have easily been just as much of a, a deal breaker as Juliet being like, you yeah, know, it was me. I bet you guys are wondering what, what's going on. It was me. Like, okay. I don't yeah. mind it. It's still good. Like, it's still a good conflict. I just mm-hmm. think... I guess I just wonder where we're going to go from here. Because I'm like, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. That's going to be very, very hard for Cal to get over. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, so how is she going to get over that? Rather than if it was like something their families had done, like in Romeo and Juliet. And it was more of just like, okay, yeah, we're going to be mad at each other for now. But like, we'll come back together. It's true. So, like, seeing how they come back together will, if again, if we get season two, will be interesting because it's just, although it's endearing for me how this show is just kind of, like, all over the place and, like, the stakes flip-flop and you never, you really never know what's going to happen next. I do think that is where a lot of the entertainment for the show comes from. But it worries me about the future of the show because it's just, like, you now have so, so many loose threads yeah. Um, even going into like a season two that I don't know how you're going to make yeah. all these things connect. It feels like we're backed into a corner just a little bit mm-hmm. at this moment, which can be rectified. It's not. Can be. It's, it's to- not totally like up to the, to the powers that be and everyone who is a part of this project. But yeah. it does seem like a difficult task. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I didn't. The ending was. Like, I, I just, the whole time I was just like, this is not, <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> this is crazy <laughs> for the, for the ending. But I think as far as once again, preference, I do like where like Eleanor and their whole story, I'm like very intrigued with where that's going. And mm-hmm. also too, with the way that it ended, I'm like, okay, we have to get more of Oliver and this idea because that's the one thing i was like i wish if we're having this idea that there are monsters not just vampires but monsters in this town i want to see more monsters and it seemed like they gave us a taste of that at the end although Mm -hmm. i would have loved to see that already um you know that i'm like okay that's good because yeah you guys opened up this door of like all these possible monsters that we could have so I, i want to see different ones and I respect them for not having any werewolves and going full Twilight, but I'm honestly kind of surprised that we didn't get a single werewolf throughout the well, entire. We did at year. the end. Oh, did oh was it was there a werewolf in there? I may have I just missed it. Actually, I don't fault you if you couldn't recognize <laughs> it as a werewolf, but yeah, at the very end when Oliver brings 
Theo outside and he's like, we're going to wreak some havoc in this town. Mm -hmm. They're like werewolves. Oh, okay. Yeah. Standing in front of him. Maybe I was still in shock just from where we landed that I didn't register it. Which is fair. And I, but I do (laughs) like, and I like that too, where Talia ends off. Because I'm like, what does that mean for her moving forward? Mm -hmm. She has accepted that even though he's a vampire, he's still Theo. Like, so let's put it together. (laughs) Just because they're vampires doesn't mean they're bad. (laughs) So I'm, yeah, I like the where where she ends. And then, of course, Jack ends and like ready to freaking G.I. Joe his way through the (laughs) through the house to kill his son. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, all right, well. The only thing I know how to do is monster killing. And yeah. uh, I think my solution to my current problem is going to be monster killing. <laughs> he was like, Dan, you guys are really tipped my hand. Guess I'm going to kill him. It's like, wait, <laughs> he's talking. He's literally talking to you guys. Oh, my God. that That's the okay, last bit. But <laughs> the whole just sequence with Jack, like, you know, I actually somewhat empathize with him and i do hear where he's coming from of like man my son wouldn't want to live this way and like i'm doing this for my son like i i get that i get all of that um you gag and bound your son so that he has zero say in any of this monologue and based on the way that he is wreathing and writhing in those chains i think he would like to put some input on the whether or not he gets killed or not yeah i think he has some ideas i mean he's literally saying like pops no don't please he's (laughs) like i'm sorry i'm sorry that i woke up and went a little crazy i've never been a vampire before (laughs) and then and then when juliet comes and she's like she's like listen to me like and they're like, why would we listen to a monster? I'm like, because she's a vampire and she's the only one who knows why Theo is what Theo's doing. I was like, Jack, I get it. I get you're a monster hunter. And like, this is against everything that you've ever been taught and known, whatever. But bro, I need that brain to be clicking Something's got to click into place. We are off script right now. You need to you need to go with this improvisation. You need to make it make sense because you are (laughs) off the deep end. But yeah, that was that. I think that made sense, though. It was the only it was the only way that they could get one of the parents to switch. I make it makes sense that it's Talia that who is like much more emotionally invested and therefore is like trying to fight for him. But yeah, I was. Mm It was it was a lot. It was a lot. Because then once again, that whole that whole last episode for their family was about Theo being a vampire. And like we didn't get a lot more than that. Whereas with Juliet's family, they gave them more like dialogue and I guess just more incidents that happened. Yeah. But with the Burns family, it was this whole all of this one incident. So a lot of the characters didn't get to like progress or have anything new set up for them besides mm-hmm. Theo is a vampire now. Yeah. We just end in pure chaos. Like that's, that's fully where we're it's like everything's chaos. All the characters are split and separated. Yeah. And season two. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued? Question mark. Yeah. But that's that's first kill, basically, in a, <laughs> in a nutshell. I promise you guys, it's we didn't there's so much that we didn't even get to talk yeah. about this there's so much so much happens in one episode like i it's it's nuts 
It really is. Like there's, <laughs> there's so much, like so many events happen in the span of, they span between like 40 minutes and an hour. And so the things that they're able to jam pack into some of these episodes, I was honestly surprised. <laughs> so, so surprised. And I mean, I guess it's a good time because it's hard to give our typical ratings for this because mm-hmm. um, we're, you know, we're talking about an entire first season of something um, that we were very clear from the get kind of like our feelings about the show. Yeah. But maybe we could do like uh, whether or not people should check this out or like a recommendation like leaving this episode. Do you think the homies should check this out? And then which homies do you think this would most likely appeal to? Yeah, I mean, I personally, I'm in the middle because I like, like I said, for someone like me, I was interested in checking this out because this like leads right into the kind of things I like to watch when I'm just in the mood for something a little bit more light. Mm-hmm. And so I would say if you feel like you are also falling within that camp, I would say definitely check this out. I would mm-hmm. I would just go ahead and lean towards yes. If you have ever been interested in any of the shows I brought up, yes, this is a for sure check out. However, I will preface that by saying Obviously, that means if any of those shows are things that you have never at all been interested in or you have watched them and you didn't like them, the show will probably fall into that category for you. So I'd probably just avoid it. Like I said, you'll know from the first five minutes if you're going to like this or not. And I would say it's nice to have shows like this with representation like this. And so obviously, the more streams it gets, the better. And so for that reason alone, if you, you know, want to support that, then at least check out the first episode. But mm-hmm. it definitely falls into a very specific category. And if that cheesy, campy, ridiculous <laughs> vibe fits you, then yes, this falls perfectly into that category. I feel that. And as somebody who's kind of in that realm of, people who probably wouldn't check this out. Um, I I still can't recommend it necessarily yeah. to people because I know there are going to be so many people who are going to watch this and be like, I do not want to watch this show or I do not want to continue this show. However, um, I would say that the pilot of this show is worth a watch just in just enough so that you can get a feel for the show and decide for yourself whether or not you want to watch the entirety of it. And I think that if you are able to get your expectations in check for what you're watching, which I do think watching the pilot will do that for you, it'll really like set you up to know what you're going to watch. I think you can have a lot of fun with this show. And like I can't call it a good show by any means for myself, but it was an entertaining show that I'm not upset that I watched. Had I never watched it, my life would probably keep on going as it was. (laughs) However, the experience of seeing these characters, watching this plot unfold, and then seeing where we end up was fun. And I had a good time. So um, I would say, if you look at this, you watch the trailer, you you see the promos for this, and you're like, this isn't my kind of show. I would honestly say, give it a chance. Give that first episode a chance, and then if you're done, you're done, cool. 
but I don't think you should dismiss this one just because it may be out of your comfort zone. All right. Yeah, that's fair. That is very fair. But all I can say now is we would love to hear other people's thoughts. <laughs> oh, first my kill. God. Yes. So <laughs> if you guys have already watched it all the way, not necessarily all the way through, but watched enough that you have some thoughts about the show, then we would love to hear them. And you can talk to us about it on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or you can email us, we're homiesofhorror at gmail.com. You can also email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. Or you can slide into our Discord to have not only a conversation with us, but some of the other homies. Discord is where we like to get a little bit more in depth and talk a little bit more with you guys. So if that sounds like something you would be interested in, the link for that is in our social media bios. And if you were listening to this on the day that it came out, that means it's Monday. And that means we're on Twitch tonight playing some spooky games and talking to the homies once again. So if you guys want to come through, say hello, hear a little bit more of our thoughts, then you can come and find us on Twitch. The link for that is also in our social media bios. And last but not least, if you are so inclined, we would very much appreciate it if you would leave us a rating or a review. You can do both on Apple Podcasts. Uh, the more ratings and reviews we get, the better. It recommends our show to more listeners. And also, we just like to hear what you guys are thinking. So if you haven't done that yet, we would very much appreciate it if you do. Or if you're listening on Spotify, you can always rate us. Just go to our podcast, click the stars underneath our name. And once again, let us know what you're thinking of the show. But... Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and letting us speak uh, directly from our hearts about all of our <laughs> feelings with First Kill. We had a lot of fun and we, of course, will be looking forward to talking to you guys again next Monday. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.